Two Geeks, Two Beers podcast. Nerdy obsessions, drunken ramblings with Morgan Jeffrey and Tom Eames. Commander. Excuse me. I must speak to you. It is a matter of supreme importance. We are Thermians from the Klaatu Nebula and we need your help. Oh. Is this about the gig tomorrow? Just hammer out the details with my agent and make sure there's a limo at my house. Last time I did one of these gigs, they shoved me in the back of a Toyota. Remember, mum is the word. Certainly, but mum, mum, Well, hello and welcome to a new episode of Two Geeks, Two Beers, a jaunty look back at geek culture from yesteryear for no apparent reason. With me, Tom, and of course, Morgan. Hello. In fact, we were challenged by one particular TikTok user this week. We pondered our very existence with a comment that we saw in a recent video where we were critiquing Matthew McConaughey's unrealistic breakup in The Wedding Planner. Mm. Katie decided to say, who has extra time to go back and watch old movies and critique them? Can we just move on from this? It's a movie, let it go. Now I read that and thought, well, that's just our whole reason for being. But clearly we do. Who has yeah. the time? We do, Katie. Yeah. Well, cheers, Kay. Uh, Kamisha had our side, though. She said, this is such an odd thing to be mad about. And I agree. Anyway, for more TikTok videos, <laughs> head over to our TikTok channel, at Two Geeks Cast. Straight to the TikTok plug. That's, yeah. yeah. So, uh, this time, I'm taking the reins and revisiting a relatively rare occasion where a sci-fi spoof of sorts, more of a homage, was a brilliant sci-fi film in its own right and has gone on to be a true cult classic yeah. that is beloved by fans and I'd say deserved far more promotion from its studio than it got and deserved to be a far bigger hit. But we all love it. Yeah. If you've seen it, you love it. Yeah. It's 1999's Galaxy Quest. Oh. Memories of Galaxy Quest for you? So, I... I think I've only seen it twice. Wow. Yeah. I mean, at least you've seen it. I, yeah, yeah, I know. I make more effort than... Although, I was about to say I make more effort than, than you, but actually... You've done some research this I did, yeah. I actually watched the Amazon documentary. I'm going to call out Tom immediately, by the way. Um, oh, yeah, sorry about this. Because his notes for this episode yeah. always gives me shit I know. about over-preparing. Um, I've been called out for a 12-pager I know. in the past. What have you done? 14 pages tell, for this one. Tell the people what you've done. I can't 14, believe it. For, for, 14 pages. Normally that's, that's reserved for like a long-running TV a franch, series. Or a franchise. This is a single a movie. single film. I've got 14 pages of information. What so the sorry fuck? in advance. What but, the fuck are you going to talk about? I know. But, um, no, I've, I, I saw it uh, once. I, can't, I honestly can't remember the first time I saw it. Um, wow. But I remember really enjoying it. Yeah. And then the second time ever... I saw Galaxy Quest. I think we might have watched it together. Oh, did we? Oh. Um, it was um, the day Alan Rickman died. Oh, and yeah. we were living together at the time. Yes. And we said, what should we watch? We need to watch something. <laughs> we need to watch something. We, we need to watch something. Yeah. In all seriousness, in, in tribute to, to Alan Rickman. Yeah. Die Hard. And I, I, like, I feel like, you know, obviously we've seen it a million times. Great movie. But like, do you know what? I actually know. Gonna, something different. Gonna watch Galaxy Quest, yeah. and, and I and I loved it. I loved it both times, but I'm pretty sure I've only I've only seen it twice. Uh, so, big fan of the movie, love the movie, but I'm yeah. sure there. Well, I know for a fact there's going to be lots, fourteen pages of it. Yeah, it's gonna. Yeah, in, in, in you know, if I don't learn anything new after you've been through your fourteen pages, I'll be disappointed. Okay. Well, it was one of the first DVDs that my family owned, similar to the um, Batman and Robin. Yeah, revelation from yeah. years ago. Um, I'd, I'd seen like a decent amount of Star Trek at this point, mainly like um, Next Generation, 
Um, so I sort of understood the general spoofness of it all, but like I felt like I just felt it was just a brilliant sci-fi comedy mm. on its own. You know, even if you hadn't seen any Star Trek, I think you'd still love this film. Yeah, I think I think I think it works on its own. Yeah, esteem. Um, and you know, I'm a big fan of Red Dwarf, and I feel like there aren't many genuinely brilliant comedies with this kind of premise. Yeah, you know, I think what this and Red Dwarf have in common, and I think it's important for. <laughs> It's going off. I, I think it's important for sci-fi comedy. Yeah, is that the sci-fi needs to hold up? Yes, exactly. So I, I and I, mean, I think we talked about this when we did our our Red Dwarf yeah. episode. Is that yes, it's funny, yeah. but also the sci-fi like, genuinely con- good, genuinely concept. brilliant sci-fi concepts yeah. that hold up. And if the jokes weren't there, yeah, the yeah, show yeah. would still be worth you, watching. You sort of weirdly, and I think they've said this with Galaxy Quest. You treat it like it's a genuinely like a serious. Um, sci-fi drama. Yeah. Um, but obviously then you add the gags in. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it works perfectly. Um, and with this, you know, the cast, the script, the concept, the story, everything about it is just on on point, as they say. So coming up, uh, how the film introduced us to future Die Hard and Office stars. Mm. How a Jerry Anderson classic, what? in part, inspired this film. Oh, this is, this is such two geeks. I know. I love it. And just what the actual crew of the Starship Enterprise thought of the film. A future Die Hard. You know, you know Alan Rickman who had, had already been in Die Hard by this point. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, oh, there's, oh. there's more. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, Galaxy Quest was directed by Dean Pariseau and written by David Howard and Robert Gordon. If you didn't know, it was a parody of and a homage to science fiction films and series, especially Star Trek and its fandom. Do you know what? Uh, it makes much more sense now, now that I know that. <laughs> the, whole, the whole thing's come together come together for me yeah. uh, and the film depicts a cast of fictional cult TV series Galaxy Quest yeah. who are drawn into a real interstellar conflict by actual aliens who think the series is an accurate documentary uh, it's got an incredible ensemble cast you've got Tim Allen Scorny Weaver Alan Rittman Tony Shalhoub Sam Rockwell Darren Mitchell among many others that is a great cast but I will say it's not often you start off with the phrase, it's got an incredible ensemble cast, and then follow up with Tim Allen. Uh, it's often you, you start with Tim Allen, but no. He is the main guy. He is the main guy, and it, and it is a great ensemble. Anyway, let's uh, get into the mood with the trailer for Galaxy Quest. Get into the mood. In the far reaches of the galaxy, A civilization CGI still holds up. Yeah, still, it's pretty good. Left. They've searched the universe for a leader. Stay tuned for scenes from next week's Galaxy Quest. Never give up, never surrender. You will save us. What they got. Never give up, and never surrender. We're struggling TV actors. You are our last hope. Where's my limo? <laughs> And they're about to put on a command performance eight million light years away. We are actors, not astronauts. You are our protectors. That was a hell of a thing. Right. Although I've only seen Galaxy Quest twice. Yeah. yeah. Take us out. I have such a strong emotional attachment. I don't know where it's coming from. Oh, wow. To this trailer. Oh, really? It must have been on a VHS that I owned as a kid, so I've watched this trailer a lot. Heroes. The whole thing was just a misunderstanding. May not be enough. 
look like little children. Hi, little guy. DreamWorks Pictures presents Tim Allen, Sigourney Weaver, Alan Rickman, Galaxy Quest. You're just gonna have to kill it. We'll go for the mouth, the throw, his vulnerable spots. It's a rocket that not a vulnerable spots. Now, that was an example of like, I feel like the trailer did as best as it could, yeah. but I feel like it didn't really capture the essence of Galaxy Quest. And I think that was a, that was a complaint among the cast that the uh, the trailer just didn't quite didn't sell it. Get it? Didn't mm. get the type of comedy it was, or the type it didn't. It just they were aiming too much at a, a kiddie audience, mm. and it didn't quite hit home. But anyway, we'll get on to that. Um, now I was going to go through the the plot, yeah, but because it's a fourteen pager, I'm thinking, is it worth it? Well, if you've listened to this podcast before, you'll know that Tom's rambling drunken recap of a film's plot could well be uh, conservatively nine pages yeah. of the 14-pager. And I just think, you, you either, if you know the plot, you don't need to hear it again. You don't need to know the internet. If you've outs. seen the film, yeah. do you need me to go through it bit by bit? I don't, I, it's taken you this long to realise that no, no, no one needs Should that. Should we just not? Should we just not? Wait, if, if, right, if you haven't seen the film, yeah. go and watch it now. Right now. Pause, pause, the podcast, pause the podcast. And then come back to us in three... Two, one, and welcome wow. back. Wow, no, what, wasn't a, fi- that a, what, great what film? a great film that is, Gal- Galaxy Such a good Quest. film. Yeah, I really like the bit with the thing. I know. Yeah. Brilliant. Okay. That was so good. I've saved a good like half hour there. Brilliant. So let's go for the cast. <laughs> what episode is this? Episode 100, and we finally got there. Yeah. Finally got there. Okay. Is it, is it, who cares? Like, you're, it's, you're, it's a, you've already, you've already, we're time traveling here. <laughs> You've, you've you've summed up the premise. Yeah, we know what you know what the premise you is. You know what the premise is. They're they're actors in a yeah. in a TV show. It's a bit like Star, like Star Trek. Trek. They these aliens think that they're real yeah. because they've seen these the TV show and they think it's a documentary or yeah. historical documents as yeah. they call it. And they transport them to their ship to take on this big bad guy. And through uh, various japes and adventures, they kill the bad guy, and then they crash back down to earth with the help of these nerds from the from like a comic con style thing. Yeah, and I, sorry, amazing. I, I have to I have to point this out because it's because it's a podcast. It's an audio format. When Tom said nerds from a comic con style thing, he pointed at me. <laughs> he so he so so gestured to be like like you. Like, like essentially you like you yeah yeah you're in this movie yeah okay well anyway you, you get it we're both hosting this you podcast yeah. fuck off <laughs> I was so earnest <laughs> fuck off anyway <laughs> cast yeah we're already on to cast there we go we've shaved a good, good oh, yeah brilliant we can go go back to the pub yeah, in a minute brilliant. it's great so yeah. the main character Jason Naismith is played by Mr. Tim Allen Tim Allen um the and Jason as the character plays Commander Peter Taggart mm. in the show, uh, the commander of the NSEA Protector and main character of the series. Um, and this was this was the era Tim Allen was just hot shit, wasn't he? Well, the nineties, yeah. You know, Toy Story had just been out. Uh, the Santa Claus, obviously, Home Improvement. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and we'll get onto it, but I just love that the idea of Tim Allen and Al Ripman hanging out. <laughs> I can't believe they had a lot. I know. I can't believe I, I like I feel like and maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like Rickman would be like, I don't know, reciting Shakespeare's sonnets. Is that I think actually maybe, yeah. I, maybe I'm basing this entirely on what happens in the film. Yeah. But I just feel like yeah, I don't feel like they would have been best buds. Not to say they didn't get on, no. but I can't believe they would have like 
massively bonded over any shared experiences or, or interests. No, no. Uh, Sigourney Weaver <laughs> yeah. as Gwen DeMarco, who played Tawny Madison, the ship's communication officer, and the only officer aboard who can give orders to the ship's computer. So essentially, her role was just repeating the computer's lines. Yeah. That was it. Um, and I think, yeah, genius move by casting a sci-fi queen. Yeah. Um, but completely different to what she would normally do. Yeah. And, um, and looks very different. Yeah. Transformed. Because uh, even Ghostbusters, she was quite stoic. She's pl- she's the straight woman to Bill Murray's yeah. clowning. And obviously in Alien, the franchise, she's totally different. Not a lot of laughs. But I think no. she loved being able to do something comedic yeah. for once. And she, really good in it so as well. Good in it. Really good in yeah. it. Uh, Anna Rittman as Alexander Dane, who plays Dr. Lazarus, the ship's science officer, and member of the Maktar, an alien species known for their superintelligence and uh, psionic powers. Essentially, what, the the, the Worf, Mr. Worf of the group? Would the, you call? the Spock. Spock? The Spock. I guess it's Spock, I suppose. Yeah, you're right. Um, but he's so good in it. I mean, it this is, is pre-Harry Potter. Yeah. So, it's 11 years after Die Hard. So, he's yeah. obviously very well known, but he's not like... Maybe, maybe like he's known to a generation, yes. but he's not been rediscovered yes. yet. He's not. He's had his breakthrough, yeah. but he's not. He's not been rediscovered. No. This is kind of mid, yeah. mid Rickman, and just again genius casting someone yeah. like him. Like, so good in it. Like well, because the whole point is that the actor, the actor he's playing in the film, yeah, yeah. doesn't want to be associated no, with this type of thing. And actually, you sort of feel like Alan Rickman might have felt yeah. like that. He's like, <laughs> why, why am I? Why am I doing? Why am I doing this film? Yeah. But actually, nah, it's a great yeah. movie. Uh, Tony Shalhoub as Fred Kwan, who yeah. plays Tech Sergeant Chen, like the Scotty, I guess, of the group. Yeah. Um, the ship's chief engineer. This is pre-Monk, I think. Pre-Monk. Yeah. What did Tony Shalhoub do pre-Monk? Oh, he's oh, in he's Men in, in Black. I was going to say, he's in yeah. Men in Black. But he was one of those, I think he was one of those, that guy actors at the yeah. time. Yeah. Very respected. Do You, you know, yeah. we talk a lot about... Um, legacy on yeah. this podcast and things that have no legacy yeah. and we just went oh yeah Tony Shalhoub Tony Shalhoub from Monk yeah. and I feel like kids now Gen Z I feel like if there, are, remember Monk, if, if, if there are any kids listening to this it's like there are certain shows from from our yeah. you know our youth like um, 24 and Prison yeah. Break and Lost that still have some sort of Im- cultural yeah. I- impact and legacy Monk. Monk was an Emmy darling. It always won. He always won the Emmy he, for best he, actor. He got nominated every single Him year. And John Cryer from Two and a Half Men. They yeah. fucking love both of them. They, yeah. they won the award every year. Yeah. Zach but, Braff was sitting there going, "What the fuck do I need to do?" Ridiculous. Yeah, Monk ran for about eight, nine seasons. Yeah. Um, and the same episode every time. It's it, it, it it proced- it procedural. I didn't mind it. He was a detective with OCD. Yeah. It, but it ran for a long time, and I feel like it has had no one. No, no one remembers Monk. I think it's because it felt like a daytime Columbo style thing, and yet it was treated in the same manner as like these iconic comedies. That and it kept beating these amazing things. I think he beat like I feel like he beat like John Hamm for Mad Men. And yeah, Brian Cranston like for Breaking Bad. Yeah, Michael C. Hall for Dexter. Anyway, Sam Rockwell as uh, Guy Fleeman, the cast's handler at conventions, who also played a red shirt. Um, in a single episode of Galaxy Quest, um, referred to as Crewman Number Six, um, and in the revival at the end of the film, he finally gets a part in the show as Security Chief Rock Ingersoll, um, and I think it's one of his best ever roles. I, I, but call back to our Mystery Men episode. I genuinely think it might be Sam Rockwell's best, <laughs> yeah. best role. Is it? I've seen him a lot of films, and he's brilliant in everything I've seen him. Yeah, but this is—I mean, what Moon, Iron yeah. Man Two, <laughs> yeah, whatever Galaxy, Galaxy, Quest. Galaxy Quest. But he's so good, and I think this is one of his first 
but it's definitely his breakthrough role. I think yeah. it was in The Green Mile before this, but I think this was like the film that um, got him noticed and he's great in it. Uh, Daryl Mitchell plays Tommy Weber, who played Lieutenant Laredo, a precocious child pilot. And I have to admit, I didn't know any of this information. You mentioned it earlier as we were talking about it. In 2001, so two years after this film came out, he was paralysed from the waist down after yeah. a motorcycle crash in uh, South Carolina. He lost control of his bike. Um, and since he, he got a lot of support from his famous friends like Denzel Washington and Chris Tucker, they helped band together to, to continue his career. And he's done really well ever since. Right. He's been in the, like, Fear the Walking Dead and... NCIS, New Orleans, I've, all sorts. I've I've seen him in in more stuff yeah. since since he had his accident, and he had a great role in um, an early noughties comedy drama called Ed. Do you ever watch oh, Ed? Ed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah, was in yeah, Ed. Yeah, he was in Ed. Yeah. Um, had a had a great supporting role yeah, in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, he's he's great in this. Um, and this is one of my favourites. Enrico Colantoni. Yeah. As Mathazar, who's the leader of the Thermians, the alien race who um, recruit them all in the first place. Didn't Bri- realise it was the guy from Veronica Mars. Yeah. Didn't know. Brilliant actor. So he yeah. plays Keith Mars on Veronica Mars. Yeah. The crime lord Carl Elias from Person of Interest, which is brilliant. He's like the main baddie in Person of Interest. Yeah, which again, another show with, with no legacy. But I we're definitely going to do Person of Interest. But genuinely one of Tom's favourite shows oh, of, all, of, all, of all time. So good. Underrated, beyond belief. Yeah. Anyway. Starring Christ himself, Jim Caviezel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he did actually reunite with uh, Tony Shalhoub in Monk several times. I think every actor appeared alongside <laughs> Tony Shalhoub in <laughs> Monk because again, it ran for about 14, 14 seasons. No one's seen or remembers any of them. No. But there was a show, honestly, look it up. Yeah, look it up. There was a show called Monk. It was a massive Monk, deal. Massive deal. It was a massive deal. Yeah. Do you, he, and he had OCD, didn't he? Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think it was a bit like, he's like House. He was a bit like, he's got his issues, but by Christ, he gets results. Yeah, House, the show that has legacy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anyway. There was, um, they they released Monk on, it was about a detective who had OCD. Yeah. And they, I think it was nine, maybe nine seasons. And they released um, eight seasons with the exact same uh, DVD like artwork design, you know, yeah. on, on the spine. Yeah. So they all like, they, lined they, they up nicely. And then the ninth one, why? A show, a show about a man with OCD. How dare you? The artwork was different. Why did they on, do that? On the spine. Why did they do that? I know. But it's like, of all the shows, of all the shows to do it on. Strange decisions. Monk, it was a, it was a real show. Robin Sachs plays Saris, who's the general. Robin Sachs was in Buffy. He was in Buffy. Yeah. Yeah. Spoilers. <laughs> he um he was he led the reptilian. Humanoids that destroy once destroyed the Thermians. Yeah, British actor, yeah. brilliant in this, um, and he's a prolific voice actor. As you say, he played Ethan Rain in the Buffy series. Yeah, um, I didn't. Really, I died of a heart attack yeah, in 2013. Died. Yeah, just before he was 62. So yeah. he's great in this. He he's great in this. He also has one of my favorite Buffy moments ever, which I don't think yeah. we talked about in the Buffy episode. Yeah, which is when Ethan Rain he sort of. Um, Giles has like gone into a, 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 a crypt or something, and he sort of looks around. Yeah, and. Um, and he's like, oh, okay, nothing going on here. And then he leaves. And then Ethan Rain, Robin Sachs' character, emerges from the shadows. And he's like, ah, Ripper, old friend. Soon we will reunite and I will... And then Joss just walks back in and goes, oh, sorry, someone here. And he goes, <laughs> oh, bugger, I thought you'd gone. <laughs> he just inter- inter- really, funny. really funny. Interrupts That's his really monologue. Funny. Really clever, oh, really, man. really good. And the way they, bo- they both play it, him and Anthony Head, really funny. I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that at all. In fact, Ripper, old mate, I'd say something rather interesting was about to happen. Someone? Oh, bug, I thought you'd gone. 
one of my favourite lines in this film, which isn't... Do you know when there's a line which you find funny? And he's like, is this actually funny? Is this yeah. me finding funny? Where um, <laughs> he's talking to Tim Allen's character um, and he's this big, like, alien reptilian guy and he's going... Um, and, and Tim Allen's like, look, I just need a bit of chance to, to, to explain the situation. And, yeah. and Robert Sacks instantly goes, you have 10 seconds. And he says it's so... He's so I'm giving you... 10 seconds if you don't do it after that you're fucked yeah. if you don't convince me in those it's just the way he says it it's like I'm gonna angry I'm gonna use that in my own very funny in my own day to day deliver the device to me or I will destroy your ship you know um, frankly Sarah sir we don't know what it is or even where it is you have 10 seconds Missy Pyle plays uh, Leilari a Fermi and a love interest for Fred yeah and in the revival at the end of the film, she goes under the name of Jane Doe because she's now joined them in it. Been in all sorts of things. She was in Big Fish, Dodgeball, Gone Girl, Dirty John, all, all kinds of things. And here's a diehard link. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Justin Long as Brandon in his first ever role, um, a dedicated fan of Galaxy Quest. Um, and yeah, he, he's like the, the the geek who helps them create uh, fulfill their mission. And he's great in it. And he looks exactly the same now. Yeah, he does. Justin Long was also in Ed, which, is, which is again a show, oh, wow. a show that no one remembers. Um, yeah. Also in Dodgeball, of course, reuniting with, uh, yeah, yes, with, right. with Missy Pyle. Yeah. Have you ever seen um, Justin Long do his Martin McFly impression? Yeah, no, he, I saw it in the film about this. He does Very Martin good. McFly. Yeah. Very good. And he said, actually, he modelled a lot on this character or on a bit of Martin McFly. He does very, a very good Michael very J. Fox. Good. Perfect, like this, like that little crack in his voice. Uh, I mean that Doc. That's from Michael J. Fox, who is my idol. Doc, uh, are you telling me he knows that? Other Thermians were played by Patrick Breen, Jed Reese, and early roles for the late Scrubs actor Sam Lloyd. Oh. Ted in, in Scrubs, brilliant. And future office star, Rain Wilson. Yeah. We'll get on to a little bit later as well. So the original script by David Howard was titled Captain Starshine. Um, Howard said he got the idea while at an IMAX presentation where one of the trailers for an upcoming Americans in Space film was narrated by Leonard Nimoy and it got him thinking about how the other Star Trek actors had become pigeonholed in these roles since the cancellation of Star Trek and he then came up with the idea of what if there were real aliens and from there he considered that the rest of his script in a lot of ways just wrote itself because it just seemed so self-evident once the idea was there. And it, yeah, such an obvious idea when you think about it. It's one of those things that's like, why did no one do this before? Yeah. So producer Mark Johnson, who had a first look deal with DreamWorks, didn't like Howard's script, <laughs> but was still fascinated with its concept of space aliens who misconstrue old episodes of a TV series for reality. But imagine being in that situation where you kind of came up with the idea of Galaxy Quest, but someone came along and said, this is shit. I can do this. I'm going to take this. I can do this much better. Though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Johnson purchased the script and had Bob Gordon use the concept to create Galaxy Quest. Uh, a fan of Star Trek, Gordon was at first hesitant, believing that Galaxy Quest could be a great idea or it could be a terrible idea. And it's, it's true, if you think about it. It's one of those things where it could have it could have been so rubbish or naff if they did it differently or made it too campy or anything like that. If they hadn't cast Tim Allen. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> you need Tim Allen. Uh, and he turned it down at first, but Gordon, who didn't didn't read Captain Starshine until after the film was completed, uh, started from the premise of washed-up actors from a sci-fi series involved with real aliens. So Gordon's initial drafts. I, I just want I just want to interrupt that said Tom Tom's notes there actually say real extraterrestrials. <laughs> I'm not saying, but that. he was like, I'm not going to I'm going to tackle that. that. I'm going to say aliens. 
Gordon's initial drafts added elements of humour to Howard's scripts, such as the protector scraping the walls of the space dock when the radio pilots the real ship for the first time. And I won't bother playing it because it doesn't work for audio, but that yeah. is one of the funniest it moments of the film. When it is very funny. It's like, Laredo, take us out. And and he's like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm an actor. And he had to like, he has to take the ship and move it out of the dock. And it's the way he's just scraping the walls of the, ah, oh, so funny. Very well done. Um, Gordon became more confident in his script when he completed the scene when Neesmith confesses to the Thermians, which he felt he nailed. Uh, he submitted his first draft of DreamWorks in 98 and it was immediately greenlit from there. So Mark Johnson wanted Dean Pariseau to direct. Get me Pariseau, he said. Get, yeah, absolutely. He had directed another film Johnson had produced called Home Fries. However, DreamWorks favoured Harold Ramis mm. uh, because of his prior experience and hired him in November 98. Harold Ramis was hired Yeah, to he was on board to do it. Never yeah, knew absolutely. it. So did you know who may have... I mean, there's more later we'll get on to, but right. um, other people who might have got the lead role of Galaxy no. Quest. No. So Ramis actually wanted Alec Baldwin for the lead role. Now, yeah, let's just, let's just not worry about it for now. But anyway, Alec Baldwin... He was one, and you can imagine him in the lead role. He'd be, he'd be great in it. He, he would have been good. Yeah, he would have been, been good. good. Um, but he turned it down. Mm. Also, Steve Martin. Uh, I, I, I could sort of see. I guess he's yeah. got kind of like that deadpan quality, but, but he's not like what I think is good about Tim Allen, and what would have been good about Alec Baldwin. Yeah, you basically want a Shatner type. Yes, and they could have pulled that off. And, and yeah. Steve Martin's not quite. No, no. And Kevin Klein, my birthday twin. Uh, yeah. Um, Mm. I think he, I think you could have done it. Yeah, maybe, I can maybe. It, but, but I think you, yeah, need, you no. need someone who's kind of he's a bit probably too bit, good looking. If anything, Kevin, <laughs> you need someone who's a bit macho. And, yeah, yeah. But Klein turned it down for family reasons. So Ramus didn't didn't agree with the casting of Tim Allen. He just didn't see it, um, and he left the project in February '99. And it sounds like that was one of the main reasons. He just didn't. Wow. Didn't get it. So Pariso took over as director within three weeks of that. Um, Alan said that the version of the film pitched to him by Ramus and Katzenberg felt more like Spaceballs and that they wanted an action star to do comedy rather than a comedian to do an action film. So he was like, you don't want me then, so I'm, I'm not right for this. Whereas when Pariso came involved, that was more like it. Uh, Sigourney Weaver, he had previously worked with Ramus on Ghostbusters. Of course. Uh, said that he also wanted actors who had not appeared in sci-fi roles before. So he had, so he had Sigourney Weaver. Exactly. <laughs> a choice she thought odd, since veterans of the genre would know what was humorous about it and yeah. what wasn't. And after, but after seeing the film years later, Ramos did say he was ultimately impressed with Tim Allen's performance and the film in general. So he was happy with it. Um, but f- once Pariso got involved, um, Allen was quickly cast <laughs> as Naismith. Um but he had to choose between Galaxy Quest and Bicentennial Man. He was going to play the lead in that, which ended up going to Robin Williams. Tim Allen yeah. was going to be the lead in Bicentennial Man. And I have Man. to say, I'd like to do Bicentennial Man one you day. You love Bicentennial it's Man. It's such a good film. Is it though? It is. Is, is. is it? It is. And Robin Williams is brilliant in it. And Robin Williams is also someone who was at one point considered for Galaxy Quest. Right. I can so s- I like the idea of them swapping. I can see, <laughs> I can sort of see Robin Williams in Galaxy Quest. Tim Allen in Bicentennial Man. I know. I don't think that would have worked. It's the only way you could have made ba- Robin Bicentennial Williams Man any worse. He's obviously an amazing comedic actor. Yeah. But he's so good at being serious as well yeah he's got I great can't. and Tim Allen there is a scene in this where he does he does his best he does his best he does a scene in it and apparently Spielberg was there at the time and he thought he was brilliant in it what, Spielberg, what are you talking about Spielberg was a producer because of right. DreamWorks he was oh, there right, right, right. and he saw Tim Allen you know the bit where Tim Allen's going yeah. we lied sorry that is actually really good and he's really good he in that is bit. really good in it yeah. um I mean, it's not quite Robin Williams. It's, but... it's, it's no Bicentennial Man. But <laughs> no, I mean... it isn't. No, it isn't. Is Greg Kinnear in Bicentennial Man? 
I invent Greg Kinnear, is he? Have I imagined that? Who's like the human dad in Bicentennial Man? Oh, let's find out. I feel like it's Greg Kinnear. I should know. I love it. That was 99 as well, obviously. So, who's in it? No, Sam Neill. Sam Neill, of course. Is, I, I, is that kind of like... Oliver Platt as well. Is that kind of like straightforward, yeah. dependable yeah, yeah, yeah. figure that I'm thinking of? But did you know that Tim Allen was a fucking sci-fi nerd? I didn't know. He was. So, before, he desperately wanted to do this because yeah. he wanted to start doing not only more serious roles, but more kind of sci-fi type stuff because in the documentary, um, Never Give Up, Never Surrender, he in his house he's just got loads of memorabilia from loads of like old sci-fi shows like the um, Lost in Space and all that kind of stuff he, yeah. he loves it and he, so, he, so yeah. Tim Allen is a massive a massive nerd nerd and you're pointing to me a this time nerd. okay good yeah <laughs> um, Allen said he based his performance more on Yul Brynner's Ramesses II from the Ten Commandments sure obviously yeah and less on William Shatner as James Kirk so why I mean I have to admit I don't think I've seen the Ten Commandments. No, yeah. So no, I can't give an opinion on that. But I love it. He's, he's like, oh, you're obviously based on Shatner. He's like, no, you're Brenner. But I'm sure you're, anyway, Oh, you're, you're Brenner in like what? In like Westworld or something. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Ten, ten Commandments. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure if you've seen both films... You can see the link. As soon as you saw Galaxy, he's like, oh yeah, you're Brenner. He's doing a bit of Yule. Yeah. yeah. The correlation is obvious. <laughs> a bit of Yule. A bit of Yule. <laughs> uh, Alan Rittman was selected to play Alexander Dane, who... Um, had been interested in the part, not so much for the sci-fi elements, but because of the, the comedy. And, and I feel like he's a classic example of, he's hilarious in this film. Yeah. When he doesn't normally get the chance to be funny in films, but, but yet he's playing it like a serious performance. But he's, that's why it's funny. But Alan Rickman's always funny. Yes. Where, like in like, Prince of Thieves, he's hilarious. Die Hard. Die Hard, funny. That's yeah. not, it's not a comedy, but he's very, very funny in it. Um, he said I love comedy almost more than anything this really is one of the funniest scripts I've read and that actors are probably the only professionals who send themselves up we actually have a sense of humour about ourselves so yeah that's why he wanted to do it um, Rockwell said that Rickman was very instrumental in making sure that the script hit the dramatic notes and everything had a strong logic and reason behind it um, so between Rickman you know really making sure that the dramatic ethos was there and Tim Allen being a massive nerd, you know, they covered all the bases. Well, yeah, well, I mean, Rittman said he was initially annoyed with Allen's general excitement over the role, role and Allen later said that Rittman thought he was, quote, an asshole, <laughs> uh, especially as Tim would turn up uh, late and make fart noises all day. Uh, uh, sure, that sounds, yeah. that sounds, you know. Uh, but eventually, hard. apparently, the whole cast bonded and they all got on and it was all, it was all fine. Uh, his catchphrase, uh, by Grabthar's Hammer, yeah, you shall be avenged. Uh, was written at the time as a, temp a temporary line in Gordon's script, uh, and he planned to replace Grabthar with something, something else. But the line stuck as the production crew started using it around their offices and printed it on their own T-shirts and all sorts. They're like, we have to keep it now. Um, shall we watch the scene? It's actually quite an emotional scene oh. where one of the um, Thermians is dying, yep. and he fulfills his dying wish by because the character of of Doctor Lazarus well, of of the actor Dane hates saying this line. He can't, he's sick of saying it in all these like conventions and all this kind of stuff. But here he's like, "Fuck, I'm gonna have to say it for real, real, and it means something." So, is Alan Rickman at his absolute finest, in my opinion? Uh. <laughs> all right, Quetic. Let's get back to the commander. I'm, I'm shot. Oh, oh, oh. 
That's not too bad. We'll get you to the medical quarters and you'll be fine. It has been my greatest honor to serve with you. I have been blessed, sir. I, I, I... Don't speak, Quillard. You'll forgive my impertinence, sir. But even though we had never before met, I always considered you as a father to me. hammer by the sons of Warvan, you shall be avenged. Crying a little bit. <laughs> I know. Crying a little bit. It's so good. That, that hits far harder than it needs to. I know. That, that is... And I think a lot of it is to do with Anna Rittman and us missing him in our own way. Well, maybe, I mean? maybe, yeah. But, but I, even but so, it's there's so ge- good. There's genuinely, like, there's genuinely like nuance and emotion yeah. to, to both their performances. Yeah. Really good. Patrick Breen's performance there is, is... Fantastic. Glorious. Really good. So good. <sighs> that, was, that was up there when I was watching Animals and Farthing Woods. <laughs> And like, do you remember when I played you that? I thought it'd be a bit of a laugh. Yeah. And then we finished it, I was like, that was... Oh no. Sorry, that was that was tough on the thought seeing those hedgehogs. Anyway. Stop there with the hedgehogs. Um, Sigourney Weaver had loved the script since her first read when Ramis was still the director, saying that great sort of uh, Wizard of Oz story and those people feeling so incomplete at the beginning and then during the course of this adventure they come out almost like the heroes they pretended to be in the first place I like this idea that everyone reads the Galaxy Quest script <laughs> and thinks Wizard of Oz and, yeah yeah, yeah. Tim, Tim Allen's like oh yeah I'll, I'll, I'll play it like uh, I'll, I'll play it like Ten Commandments like you'll in, in Ten Commandments and Scorny's like oh yes it's Wizard of Oz and I was like is, is no one getting what I'm doing here no, is no one picking up what I'm putting down she particularly loved the part of Madison saying to me she was what a lot of women felt like including myself in a Hollywood situation uh, I guess that whole kind of she's just thought of as a bimbo and yeah. she's got the, 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 eye the candy. blonde yeah. wig on and yeah. you know push up bra and all that kind of stuff um, in addition she had long wanted to work with both Alan and Rittman I meant Tim Allen <laughs> do you know what I, I know what you meant but it, it is confusing when you keep saying Alan, Alan said this to Rickman. Tim Allen and Alan Rickman. yeah once Pariseau replaced Ramis, uh, Weaver lobbied Pariseau to cast her, insisting that um, Madison needed to be blonde and have large breasts to capture the humour of the sci-fi production. She admitted she was surprised when she actually got the role, and she said that this role, given some of her personal insecurities, was closer to telling the truth about myself and science fiction compared to her performance as Ripley in the Alien films. Um, she kept her blonde wig after production. Um, and many of the crew said that once she had the enhanced bosom and the wig, it gave her a completely new personality on on set. And <laughs> did, did they like her personality a lot more when <laughs> when, when she had the push up bra? She said she often left the setting in costume and returned yeah. to her hotel to admire herself, <laughs> saying that she just loved being a starlet. Wow! Well, there you go. Here's a little clip of um, uh, Sigourney at her finest in this film. Forward thruster shaft, eighty seven percent damage. Aft vector guards, 96% damage. Structural breaches in quadrants 32, 34, well, 40, well, well, what, uh, what about the engines? Forward thruster shaft, 87% damage. Computer, what about the engines? Why don't we have power? The beryllium sphere has fractured under stress. It's fractured. <laughs> Can it be repaired? 
computer. Can it be repaired? <laughs> damaged the Brillium sphere. Irreparable. Ugh. New source of Brillium must be secured. We need another one. <laughs> you broke the ship. You broke the bloody ship. <laughs> yeah. Uh, computer, is there a, a replacement Brillium sphere on board? Computer, is there a replacement <laughs> Brillium sphere on board? Negative. Uh, no uh, reserve Brillium sphere uh, exists on board. No, we have no extra beryllium sphere on board. You know, that is really getting annoying. Look, I have one job on this lousy ship. It's stupid, but I'm going to do it, okay? Sure, no problem. Very good. Uh, Tony Shalhoub originally auditioned for um, Guy Fleegman's ro- uh, role until Sam Rockwell won it. Uh, Shalhoub was then cast as Fred instead. Shalhoub and Paris have worked together to develop the Quan character, loosely basing him on David Carradine, who played a non-Asian in the film, uh, in the Kung Fu TV series. Mm. Um, there'd been an urban legend that Carradine frequently acted in his show while under the influence of drugs. So Shalhoub, he couldn't like say he was a stoner in sure. the film because it's PG-13, but he subtly did that. And, it, and I didn't really get that as a kid watching it, but now you watch it and go, obviously he's stoned out of his mind. First, first time picking it up. Yeah. Yeah. Shalhoub insisted that Quan should always also be shown eating to reference that stoner stereotype, similar to Brad Pitt in the oceans. Is Brad films. Pitt meant to be stoned? I don't know, films? maybe. He's, he's always eating. He's always eating. He's always yeah. eating. Uh, Rockwell wanted to develop a more serious dramatic acting career. He was initially considered, um, but he declined the role when he was originally cast. He um, eventually recognised that several successful dramatic actors had also done comedy in their early career, and his friend Kevin Spacey convinced him to take the part. Uh, okay. He was the uh, last of the main actors to be cast. Uh, Rockwell fashioned Fleegman after cowardly characters in other films, such as John Turturro's Bernie in Miller's Crossing. Uh, I, I know I'm going to play it. I'm going to play it like yeah. John Turturro, Miller's, yeah, 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 yeah. Cro- Miller's Crossing. So you've got Yul Brenner yeah. in in uh, in uh, Ten Commandments. Yeah. You've got John Turturro in Miller's Crossing. Yeah. And what was the other one? Um, Sigourney Weaver. Oh, in Sigour- Wizard of Oz. Sigourney's, Sigourney's channel in yeah, yeah, yeah. Dorothy. But he also based it on Bill Patton's Private Hudson and Aliens. Yeah. Um, Rockwell drank a lot of coffee before certain scenes to help create the overexcitement and jitters associated with his character. His name, Guy Fleegman, is a homage to Guy uh, Vardaman, a little-known actor who worked extensively on Star Trek, either as a stand-in or in, in bit roles. Uh, let's see a little bit of... Uh, in my opinion, Sam Rockwell has been great in this film. He is always eating, now that I think about it. Yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah. I changed my mind, I want to go back. After the fuss you made about getting left behind. <laughs> yeah, but that's what I thought. I was the crewman that stays on the ship and something is up there and it kills me. But now I'm thinking I'm the guy who gets killed by some monster five minutes after we land on the planet. You're not going to die on the planet, guy. I'm not? What's my last name? It's, uh, um, uh, I don't know. Nobody knows. Do you know why? Because my character isn't important enough for a last name. Because I'm gonna die five minutes in. Guy, you have a last name. Do I? <laughs> Do I? Yes. For all you know, I'm just coming. Number six. Bobby. 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 Uh, Daryl Mitchell had worked with Parasite on Home Fries, his previous uh, film, and he felt it was a perfect choice to play Weber. Uh, David Allen Greer of. Um, uh, Jumanji fame. Oh, yeah. Uh, was the second choice for Weber. Interesting. Now, Corbin Blue played a young Tommy 
from High School Musical. Yeah, who's gone on to be a very successful actor and a singer in a film on Broadway. Perhaps best known for playing Chad in the High School Musical. Yeah, brilliant. Perhaps, perhaps <laughs> de- definitely. I mean, <laughs> not, not to take anything away from Corbin. No, but yeah, but, um, yeah he's very young in it. Yeah, yeah, because in in the original series, a, um, Tommy's character is a, is a child actor. Yeah, yeah brilliant. Wow. Uh, Justin Long cast as Brandon. It was his first feature role. He had just completed a pilot for a TV show under casting director Bonnie Zane, who suggested Long to her sister Deborah Zane who's the casting director for Galaxy Quest uh, Long said he was nervous auditioning as an unknown actor at the time competing against Kieran Culkin Wow Eddie K. Thomas off American Pie Oh yeah yeah Finch and Tom Everett Scott Oh yeah yeah no Tom Everett yeah. Scott yeah 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 um, Pariso had given Long a copy of Trekkies a film about the Star Trek fandom yeah. to help prepare for it Should have just told him to listen to this podcast Yeah <laughs> Uh, Long bases character on a combination of Philip Seymour Hoffman, Scotty J from Boogie Nights. The, the weird inspirations <laughs> for this movie. Bizarre. Marty, even Back to the Future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And comic book guy from The Simpsons. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. yeah. No, wait, I, I was trying to do comic book guy and I just did, um, who's that sad dog? <laughs> That's George Takai, isn't it? No, no. Oh my. <laughs> no, it's a little bit George Takai. No, I think I accidentally did um, Droopy Dog. I think that's yeah, like, yeah. yeah. I, I meant oh, I, I meant to do like worst episode ever, yeah. and I just, I just similar. and instead I just did OD. Do you know who else auditioned for the role of Justin Long's character? Just cutting into my impression. Yeah, no, tell me. Yeah, Paul Rudd, apparently. Oh, I can see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Little too handsome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Sorry, Justin. Not saying you're ugly. No, not yet. No. Oh God. No. 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 But Very you know, man. Yeah. Yeah. In, in his own way. One of the first Thurmians to audition was Enrico Colantoni. Now he loved the script and spent time before his audition developing the behaviour he thought the Thurmian should have. So at the end of his his audition, he was about to leave, and he went, ah, "Nah, do you know what?" And he and he offered a I've... possible voice for the Thurmians. Wow. So. Until that, because the voice of the Thurmian, very strange the way the they talk. The kind yeah. of monotone. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And Pariso was like, that's amazing. You've nailed it. He loved it. And he, from then on, he used it to establish, that's the, in- he hadn't written this. Yeah. The entirety of the way the Thurmians acted and walked and talked, all because of Enrico. Yeah. yeah. Um, he called them happy Jehovah's Witnesses, <laughs> is what Enrico called it. Um, taking everything in with love and acceptance. Uh, Deborah Zane was also so impressed with Missy Pyle's audition that uh, she sent the casting tape directly to Pariso with a note saying, if this is not Lalari, I will resign from the CSA. Um, Steven Spielberg, also impressed by Pyle, asked for Lalari's role to be expanded, which developed into the romance with Quan's character. And a uh, second choice for that role was mm. Jennifer Coolidge. D- who? Like, uh, what, what, what was she done since? Stifler's mum. No, 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 I don't... I, don't. <laughs> I, je- I, I thought, Jen, for a second you meant that. <laughs> I fell for that. What's she done? What's she done since? She's doing all right for herself, isn't she? She's doing all right. Doing very well. Linda DeSena, the production designer of the film, who was also the set director for Star Trek, uh, the motion picture, Back to the Future, Blade Runner, wow. loads of stuff. What? A, what? A, She's a legend. Yeah. Um, if you look her up, her IMDb page is incredible. Yeah, and and like those films in particular yeah, all have all, very specific looks. Yeah. As well. Imagine they if that's look, what you did. They all look that incredible. That would be an amazing career. Yeah. She's obviously done loads of other things. It was as well. the Galaxy Quest. Uh, she was interested in the project because it would not have the same aesthetics as other 90s sci-fi films and it didn't have to be real high-tech and, and vacuum-formed, whatever that means. Vacuum-formed? Yeah. Like formed in a vacuum? Maybe. Yeah, yeah. that would definitely. Okay, I'm telling right. you. I never heard that before. Never heard the word vacuum-formed no. before. Yeah. It means like, you know, like like vacuum, vacuum... Oh, I don't really know what it means. But it, it's <laughs> no, I, can, I can tell what it means, yeah. but I've never seen it as a, a written-down word before. Vacuum form. All right, okay. The Senate drew inspiration for the sets not only from Star Trek, but also from Buck Rogers, Battlestar Galactica, and Lost in Space. Uh, the bulk of the film was shot in studios in LA. Scenes of the alien planet were filmed at the 
brilliantly named Goblin Valley State Park in Utah. Nice. Brilliant. And I think what really works with Galaxy Quest, as we've said, it all looks like a proper sci-fi film. It's got production value. Brilliant special effects. Yeah. Industrial light and magic were involved. You had the might of Spielberg's DreamWorks behind it. Um, it's not campy. It's not low budget. It looks and feels proper. If you if you weren't really paying attention, you were told it was an actual Star Trek film. Yeah. I think you'd believe it. So after you'd, most... You'd really have to not be paying attention. <laughs> but you're watching it on mute. After most production was done, Johnson said that DreamWorks were confused by the film as it was not what they expected from the script they greenlit. Uh, but they pushed on post-production as it needed to go up against Columbia Pictures' Stuart Little. <laughs> I love that. They're like, right, guys. We need, we need our own Stuart Little. We need a heavy hitter. Yeah. What you know they've got you know they've got Columbia across Roger the road. Fox over, right? You know they've got fucking Stuart Little. Yeah. Stuart Little. It's yeah. Michael J. Fox voicing a CGI mouse. <laughs> what do we have to compete against it? Hugh Laurie's the dad. Oh, oh no. What? You know who's playing the the mouse's best mate? Who? It's the it's the fucking little kid from Jerry Maguire. Oh, we are no. fucked. We are fucked. Oh, screwed. What have we got to battle? Don't worry, guys. This we've titan got, of cinema. We've got we've got Galaxy Quest, which is not meant to be aimed at children, but we're going to fucking well try. So among major cuts from DreamWorks was to bring the movie to a more family-friendly audience. So the film originally had an R rating. It had loads of swear words and all sorts of it. Does that version exist? Uh, not not yet. Oh. It should do. But they recut it. Shaloub yeah. didn't remember. He, he said, um, I don't know if he was just stoned, <laughs> but he said... Shaloub's not actually stoned. <laughs> he was just so good in the role. Um, he didn't remember any darker version of the film. Yeah. But Gordon had not planned to write a family-friendly film. In his initial script, it included mature scenes, such as DeMarco attempting to seduce aliens, uh, and the crash of the escape pod into the convention hall at the end, decapitated several attendees. Now, well, there's that no, bit... There's no for that. I agree. Yeah. Probably should have been cut out. It, that is interesting knowing that though because, well, for one thing, I want to see Galaxy Quest. Yeah, yeah with swear words. The, the R-rated version. Yeah. It does sort of, it has that adult sensibility while still being quite clean cut and family well, this friendly. this is the thing. And in the documentary, yeah. um, while they were, a few of the cast were sad that that's what happened. Yeah. People like um, Damon Lindelof were in the in documentary yeah. and they were like, do you know what? Normally I don't like meddling, but I feel like in this instance, Man, I've been they the right, kind of got it right. Spielberg right and his mates, they knew what they were doing. Turns out that Spielberg guy knows what he's doing. He knows doing. what he's doing. Yeah. And at no point am I watching and going, oh, do you know what this needs? Swear words. But also, it makes me feel like maybe that's how you make good kids' films, yeah. is you shoot them as adult yeah, films yeah. and then, and then take, cut, uh, take out all the adult stuff. Uh, because then you're not... Because what's great about Galaxy Quest is kids can watch it, yes, but it doesn't talk exactly. down to kids. And the reason why, it turns out, is because it wasn't meant for exactly. kids. And that's I think the film... Um, Works very well as a family friendly film, but yeah. I think what they did wrong, which we'll get onto, is how they marketed it. Yes. That's, that's why they messed it up. So during post production, the Rugrats movie from Paramount Pictures came out and was a huge box office success. I will say, I did see that at the cinema. <sighs> I didn't see Galaxy Quest at the cinema. I was, I was young. You were young. And foolish. So DreamWorks at that point, they pushed onto the production to have a competing film for younger age groups to try and compete with Rugrats. Right. Guys. You know, right. they're releasing a Rugrats movie. Stuart Little, you know, we've got Rugrats. You've got, you got, you got Rugrats. Yeah. You know that this, like, everything you loved about Rugrats yeah. are now on the big screen. You know that Tommy gets a, a little brother. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. Again, what have we got to compete against this this one-two punch? Tim Allen? Tim, we've got Tim Allen. Yeah, we have got Tim Allen. So the film was edited and cut to bring the rating to a PG, which required cutting of some of the better, well, it says better here. <laughs> I mean, that's their opinion. Do you know the Chompers scene? Yeah. Uh, uh, DeMarco, Sigourney Weaver's character, had a line where she goes, well, screw that. Yeah. But it was dubbed over because originally 
she's saying, well, fuck that. It's quite badly dubbed over. And I had never noticed. Oh, it's quite bad. I watch it now and go, oh, yeah. Yeah, quite clearly. Obviously, because they didn't bother reshooting it. No. And, um, but she said she purposely made her dubbed line stand out as a form of protest against... Um, oh, so she did ADR and she was like, I'm not even going to try and make it. I'm not yeah. going to do the kind of... No. F- f- screw that. Yeah. Didn't even try. And one of the comments we got from Twitter when we put a shout out for this, uh, Lawrence on Twitter said, yeah, it featured the best bit of dubbing ever. As you can see, her mouth clearly does not match the given dialogue. No. I, I agree. Um, but I can't believe I never noticed. Maybe it was the DVD quality at the time was so bad that I just never noticed before. What? I was just such an innocent child. Just, just but take it, it in. The sound is twice as sharp. You must have, <laughs> you must have noticed. So before the release of the movie, a promotional mockumentary video titled Galaxy Quest 20th Anniversary of the Journey Continues aired on E! presenting the Galaxy Quest TV series as an actual cult series. I like this. A mockumentary. Yeah. And the upcoming film as a documentary about the making of the series, presenting it in a similar way to Star Trek. So meta. It featured fake interviews of the series cast portrayed by the actors in the actual film, uh, Questarians and critics nice uh, so great I, I love well, that this is it's good just, you said about them not promoting this is, they've gone they to, tried they, they went real that's effort right. that's, yeah. yeah no one watched E I was going to say that's got to be one uh, of the better things that's ever aired on the E network yeah, yeah. Uh, while these additional materials were made DreamWorks devoted very little advertising to the film despite its placement near the Christmas season uh, which the cast and crew felt hurt the potential for the film is Galaxy Quest a Christmas movie? No. Why did you release it at Christmas? What are you thinking? Um, unlike most films where the second and ongoing weekend box office takes decline, Galaxy Quest actually saw rising numbers over the first uh, several weekends and DreamWorks Jeffrey Katzenberg uh, later apologised directly to Parasso for wow. failing to market the film properly. Wow. Additionally, the primary trailer, which I guess is the one we saw earlier, uh, uh, used a cut of the film before all the special effects were complete and Johnson felt that if the trailer had used the completed versions, it would have helped draw a larger audience. So the film was financially successful, would you believe? It was what? It was financially successful. <laughs> we had to gin eye before we got here. It earned uh, 7 million US dollars just in the US and its opening weekend. And its total US domestic tally stands at $71 million and $90 million worldwide on a $40 million budget. Big hit. It's so not that bad. A sleeper hit. 90, Decent. 99, that's all Decent. right. Made its budget back. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Which got, many films we discussed did not. And it got positive reviews at the time what? from critics. Oh, are we, what, yeah. what, 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 what are we doing? What's going on? Uh, both as a parody of Star Trek and as a comedy film on its own, Roger Ebert, he praised it. Retrospective reviews for Galaxy Quest have been very positive as the film is considered to have held up over time. On Rotten Tomatoes, it received an approval rating of 90% based on 126 reviews. Who's, as, give, who's giving it a bad review? I know. Who, I who's know. bringing it down? That it should be 100%. Yeah. Matt Miller said in 2019, the film absolutely holds up as one of the best sci-fi satires ever made, one that challenges our obsession with massive Hollywood franchises, the nature of fandom, and some of the most problematic cliches of the genre. But it does so with a self-aware empathy that makes it an enduring and lasting entry in not only science fiction, but American film as a whole. Wow. Matt Miller of Esquire was a big, big fan. And it proved very popular with Star Trek fans as well. At a 2013 Star Trek convention in Las Vegas, Galaxy Quest received enough support in a Star Trek film ranking to be included with the 12 Star Trek films that had been released at the time in the voting ballot. It is better than a lot of them. (laughs) Not not all of them, but but there are some good ones. In the convention of a Star Trek convention, it finished seventh. As the seventh. As the best Star Trek films, which is brilliant. It's at least that good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, uh, it predicted the growth of an influence of media fandom in the years after its release. So, while fandoms such as that for Star Trek existed at the time, the, the size and scope of those sort of fan conventions like Comic Con yeah. didn't really exist in that same way you see it in the film. Feels like, given everything that's happened since, yeah. the way that fandoms have grown, feels ripe for a sequel. Tom, maybe we'll maybe. get on to this. We'll yeah. get on to this. But several actors who have 
had roles on various Star Trek TV series and films, have commented on Galaxy Quest in light of their own experiences with the franchise and its fandom. Uh, I've got a few quotes here from Star Trek legends. Yeah. Should, should I... Do you want to do it? In the, should I in, do it? Okay, so you've got Patrick Stewart first up. Patrick Stewart says, I had originally not wanted to see Galaxy Quest because I heard that it was making fun of Star Trek. And then Jonathan Frakes <laughs> ra- rang me up. And you got to do Jonathan Frakes now. And said... <laughs> <laughs> You must not miss this movie. <laughs> See it on a Saturday night in a full theater. <laughs> Very good. And I did. And of course, I found it. It was brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> no one laughed louder or longer in the cinema than I did. But the idea that the ship was saved and all of our heroes in that movie was saved simply by the fact that there were fans who did understand the scientific principles on which the ship worked was absolutely wonderful. And it was both funny and also touching in that it paid tribute to the dedication of these fans. Wesley Crusher. <laughs> I've seen everything. <laughs> do you want to do William Shatner? Can you do Shatner? I'll, I'll give it a go. Okay, here we go. I thought it was very funny. I thought that the audience that they portrayed was totally <laughs> real, but the actors that they were pretending to be were totally unrecognizable. Certainly, I don't know what Tim Allen was doing. <laughs> I didn't like Tim Allen. He seemed to me to be the head of a group of actors, and for the life of me, I was trying to understand who he was imitating. The only one I recognized was the girl playing Nichelle Nichols. I, mean, I interviewed Shatner once over the phone. Oh, yeah? It was amazing. It was just it was like amazing. that. It was just, oh, it was just like yeah, that. just like that. But it was one of those interviews where he kept saying my name, and it was amazing. He goes, well, Tom. And I just like, well, oh, my God, Tom. Shatner knows my name. It's amazing. Uh, can you do George Takai? I think it's a chillingly realistic documentary. The details in it, I recognized every one of them. It's a powerful piece of documentary filmmaking. <laughs> and I do believe that when we get kidnapped by aliens, it's going to be the genuine true Star Trek fans who will save the day. I was rolling <laughs> in the aisles. And Tim Allen had that Shatner-esque swagger down pat. He liked it. And I roared when the shirt came off. And Sigourney rolls her eyes and says, There goes that shirt again. How often did we hear that on the set? There you go. There you go. Very good. Well done. That's the end of my impressions yeah. for, the, for this episode. You'll all be relieved to hear. So talks of a sequel. Yeah. Bum, bum, have been going on since the film's release in 99. It only really began uh, gaining traction in 2014 when Tim Allen mentioned that there was a script. Uh, Weaver and Rockwell mentioned that they were interested in returning as well. Uh, Colin Tony, though, he said he would prefer to... Uh, Sorry, I love the idea that, that Sigourney Weaver and Sam <laughs> Rockwell are up for it. But, but, Enrico, but Enrico Colin Tony uh, is like, nah, for it. You, no, you have to pay me. I, I, I came up with the voices. Nah, he was... Uh, this, this film was only hit big because of me. <laughs> he said he would prefer there to not be a sequel as it may tarnish the characters in right. the first film yeah. he said to make something up just because we love those characters and turn it into a sequel then becomes the awful sequel well, he not... might have a point yeah. in April 2015 Paramount Television along with the movie's co-writer Gordon director Pariso and executive producers Johnson and Bernstein announced that they were looking to develop a TV series based on Galaxy Quest the move was considered in a similar vein as Paramount's revivals of Minority Report and School of Rock now yeah. we all remember those don't we yeah, I was going to say they, those they are, did well they, those, were, those were great yeah, yeah. In t- August 2015, it was announced that Amazon Studios would be developing it. In January 2016, after the unexpected death of Anna Ritman, um, Tim Allen commented to the Hollywood Reporter of, about the chance of a revival. Do you want to do Tim Allen? Can you do Tim Allen? I don't think I can do okay, Tim Allen. You can just read that, it's fine. He said, I'm not supposed to say anything, I'm speaking way out of turn here, but Galaxy Quest is really close to being resurrected in a very creative way. It's closer than I can tell you, but I can't say more than that. The real kicker is that now Alan has to be left out. It's been a big shock on many levels. 
So speaking on the Nerdist podcast in April 2016, Sam Rockwell revealed that the cast had been about ready to sign on for a follow-up with Amazon, but Ritman's death, uh, together with Tim Allen's TV schedule, what was he doing at the time? Um, oh, Last Man Standing, where he's like, Oh, yeah. I'm I'm an American man oh and I don't God. I don't understand. Still going? Kids now. I don't no, I don't think so. Okay. He was like, I can't I can't possibly step back from that to make a, a, a sequel to the much loved galaxy. <laughs> but that was getting in the way. Yeah. Uh, he also said that he believed Rickman's death meant that the project just couldn't happen. However, the plans were revived again in August 2017 with the announcement that Paul Shear would be writing the series. Speaking to Slash Film, Shear said that in his first draft submitted to Amazon in November 2017, he wanted to create a serialised adventure that starts where the film ends but leads into the cultural shift in Star Trek that has occurred since 99. So he said, I really wanted to capture the difference between the original cast of Star Trek and the J.J. Abrams cast of Star Trek. That would be a really good idea yeah. for a sequel where Galaxy Quest is being remade. Yes, exactly. Yeah. To that end, Shear's first scripts called for two separate cast sets that would come together by the end of the first season of the show, though he did not confirm if this included any of the original film's cast. So I guess it's sort of like... Was it Generations, the film, where the, the two different Star Trek series got together? Yeah. I love that idea. Yeah, I, I like the idea, but it, you know that ranking where Galaxy Quest came in seventh, that would have probably come in like 12th. Really? Yeah, it's not. Oh, okay. Uh, following the dismissal of Amy Powell as president of Paramount Television in July 2018, Shear said the Galaxy Quest series had been put on hold while Paramount's management was being re-established, but anticipated that the show would continue forward after that. He also said that they were making these series to allow the introduction of new characters while extending the setting, similar to what The Force Awakens did for A New Hope. Tim Allen said that a film sequel script is nearly ready to go as of January 2021. The script had been near completion for production by 2016, but with Ritman's death, it would have to undergo major rewrites as the core story focused on the relationship between Naismith and Dane. Which is such a shame. I love that as an idea. A central plot element was to have the protector and its crew affected by time dilation during spaceflight, which Alan considered a boon for the uncertain production of the film. Uh, While Alan said that there were no immediate efforts for the sequel's production, he and the other cast and crew kept circulating the idea and believe it would be an easy it would be easy to restart the the, the project. Uh, Georgia Pritchett said in twenty June twenty twenty one that. Uh, she and Simon Pegg were working on developing a Galaxy Quest TV series. But that's as, that's as far as we've got so far with uh, Sequel Well, Hope. that was only a couple of years ago. Like, so, you know. It's interesting that, that, you know, a film like this, which could be like a curio, no one's working this hard to make a Mystery Men sequel. No. Do you know what I mean? It's like people see something in it. Yeah. They believe that there's potential. I still think it could happen, yeah. even now. Like... Think of, think of the stuff that does get made. Yeah. Why have we not had a Galaxy Quest sequel yet? Come on. The fact that, well, Dean Paraso. I believe directed um, Bill and Ted Face the Music. Yes. If you can make a film, if you can make a third Bill and Ted film after exactly. so long, it's it feels like you can make a Galaxy Quest sequel. And as I was mentioned, uh, Never Surrender, a Galaxy Quest documentary. It was produced by the website Fandom in 2019 to celebrate the film's 20th anniversary. Um, it features interviews in the movie's cast and crew, including T.M. Allen, Sigourney Weaver, Sam Rockwell, Tony Shalhoub, Justin Long, Missy Pyle, Rain Wilson, and Daryl Mitchell, along with director Dean Pariseau and writer. Bob Gordon, as well as celebrities including Will Wheaton, Will Wheaton, Brent Spiner, yeah. Greg Belanti, Paul Shear, and Damon Lindelof. And they all speak for the love of the film, and it's definitely worth a watch. Never seen it. Intrigued. And I will play now this clip where they're talking about Alan Rittman. We were crying earlier. Oh, no. You're going to cry now. <sighs> I'm already a bit drunk. 
miraculously, everybody wanted to do it, including I had heard Alan. It's a great time to be a 90s kid. A TV series based on Galaxy Quest is officially in the works. I was going to do, yeah, the Amazon thing. Um, All the stars were aligning to re reestablish. Everybody said yes. I had some scenes with Alan. You know, I had a couple scenes with Alan, you know. And um, then that just, you know. I saw him um, about six weeks before he passed away. He came to see a play that I was doing in New York, and we saw him. This is Patrick Green. He plays Quillet. Frail, and uh, he said he had had a stroke. You know, and we were like, "Are you kidding? What? You know, it was." But he, he was with his wife, and he was, you know, came to the theater, flew to New York, and see plays. And uh, we went to dinner afterwards, and he was, you know, just funny and sweet and was so lovely and then he died like six weeks later he didn't want us to know that he was dying he'd said he'd had a stroke and so that the evening was not in any way morbid or sad it was just another little alan's here he's getting better and and um <laughs> i don't think he might be saying this but uh i hope not alan forgive me but uh he had to drop out of a project because of his illness and it was because of the stroke, he'd said. And he said, and he goes like, and I go like, oh, who got the role? And he goes like, Bill Nye. <laughs> With great disdain. <laughs> well, I think his work is, first of all, you knew right away that here was such a brilliant actor who didn't take himself seriously, who probably on some level, like me with Tawny, felt he could have had a very different career if maybe times were different or he'd had different goals, that he could have been a great King Lear or what have you. Um, and he brought all of that truth to it. Um, and Alan was such a truthful um, actor. You know, honestly, I can't imagine our, our little ensemble without um, Alan particularly, but without any one of us um, but I think the fact that Alan Rickman had chosen to come over and do this with, with us gave us such legitimacy, you know. He just, he, he was funny and sardonic and caustic. And His bedside manner would seem sort of misanthropic. And the thing that I remember most about him is the, the day we were saying goodbye, I said, thank you so much for being in this movie. Yeah, it's been great to work with you. And he said, it's been fun intermittently. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, I beautiful. I love that he was still friends yeah. with, with Patrick Breen and like flew out to New I York with his wife that. to see him in a play <sighs> when he was ill. And that makes that makes oh. that that scene that they shared even more meaningful. That they, they just stayed pals and that what could a easy, nice man. That could easily have been a film where you acted with that guy once and then you didn't well, even see him ever. Again. And there's nothing that doesn't mean like anyone no. anyone's a dick well, you in know, that like, situation. You know that you work with people in the past in yeah. your old jobs. You got on really well with them. Got on well with them. You don't see him anymore. No, and there's and, and, and there's no one's fault. No, no one's no one's no one's a bad person. The idea that he went out of his way to do that it was. Fucking hell. Sorry to make us cry a little bit. Twice in this episode now, at least. <laughs> ah, anyway, uh, Galaxy Quest. Oh, no. Fact smash. Fact smash. Fact smash. Fact smash. Is that your Alan Rickman? That's my Rickman. Yeah. Very good. Can you do it as George Takai? Fact smash. Brilliant. There you go. Fact smash. So, 
Backsmash. Galaxy Quest. The prefix of the protector's registration number is NTE3120, which alludes to some sort of similar space federation, but in reality stands for Not the Enterprise, Very which good. I think is brilliant. Yeah. According to visual effects co-supervisor Bill George, Paraso refuted claims that the rock monster that Neesmith battles uh, was based on the rock monster um, that had been scripted for the Final Frontier but instead was more inspired by the Gorn that Kirk faced in the Star Trek episode Arena. I was, I was thinking it was... You, yeah, I, I was you knew it was the Gorn. I knew it was the Gorn. Yeah. Uh, in cinemas, the first 20 minutes of the film are presented in a 185-1 aspect ratio. This is, this is for the real nerds. Right? Yeah, I know. Yeah. Before changing to a wider 235-1 ratio, right? When, yeah. When Naismith looks out upon space as the projector arrives in Thermia to maximise the effect on viewers, right? Wow. However, yeah. this caused some problems with projectionists at movie theatres <laughs> when showing the film, as they had not opened up the screen curtains far enough to the wider aspect ratio, so it would, just, it would play it on the curtains. On the curtains. <laughs> so projectionists had to be told specifically at later showings to prepare for this transition. So, because, let's be honest, projectionists, normally you're like, you Once start, you've started, you start but, the film, you're kicking yeah. back, whereas they're like, oh, fuck, oh, I, gotta, I gotta wait for this point to pull the, pull the little yeah. cord on the curtains. Fuck me. Other actors considered for... Tim Allen's role. Yeah. We've done this. No, there's more. Oh, what? Yeah. Three more. <laughs> sprinkling them throughout I've, the I've hidden them so you can't. You know, this is the best bits. Yeah, yeah. Sprinkling it throughout the episode. Who, any others from the 90s that you can imagine playing? <laughs> um, Stallone. No. Um, Bruce Willis. Yeah, Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis could have yeah, done it. Yeah, I was, yeah. That was genuine. Bruce Willis. I think he would have done a good job. He could have. The original idea was an action star doing comedy. Yeah, and, and gra- Bruce can do comedy. And so he, he can, do, he, he can he certainly do grouchy. Yeah. Um, Another one of that ilk. Richard Gere. No. Um, well, like a, a, a 90s Another, action a star. A 90s action star. Um, Not Arnie or Stallone. Van Damme. No. Should they? Yeah. Mel Gibson. Oh, yeah. I can yeah. sort of, yeah. Yeah. And then... I can see how they got from Mel Gibson to Tim Allen. Yeah, yeah. but then... Tim Robbins. What? Where did that come from? I like Tim Robbins, yeah, but I don't think but, he did... No. no. Maybe he would have pulled a blinder. I don't know. Uh, yeah. I, I didn't think much of his casting <laughs> when I first heard it. <laughs> Uh, Tim Allen admitted that he was quite starstruck when he met Scorny Weaver as he's a huge fan of Alien he just loved it um, Allen even got Weaver to sign some of it see he had Alien memorabilia wow. right? so between takes he got him to sign it she ultimately did writing Stolen by Tim Allen loves Scorny Weaver which apparently made him very upset <laughs> <laughs> come on that's, that, that would cost loads now it would be amazing um, he also had a personal trainer on the set and ate cat food to stay in shape so that those scenes where he takes his shirt off, he looked as good as possible. And why cat food? I don't know. Yeah, what? Apparently, that maybe that's what I need to do. That, feel, yeah. that feels like someone played a practical joke on yeah. it. Like, like, yeah, you should definitely eat cat food, mate. I want to I wanna stay in shape, Alan. How do, how do you do Tim, you've <laughs> got to eat some whiskers. Whiskers. <laughs> like, it feels like... like some dreamies. <laughs> you've got to chow down on some dreamies. Like... Like why? Why the fuck was he eating cat food? We can't just gloss over. You mean eat like boiled chicken and broccoli? Are you not cat food? All right. Well, that trainer yeah. was Jane Hadrick, who to, a few you... years later was Tim's wife. So. Oh wow! So yeah. she 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 loved his his cat food yeah, yeah, yeah. physique. They're still married, and their daughter was born in two thousand nine. Wow. So that's where they met. So yeah, cats who love Felix. Yeah. She loves Tim Allen. Yeah. Gwen DeMarco laments that her TV Guide interview was six paragraphs of my boobs and how they fit into my suit. This actually happened to Jerry Ryan, who played Seven of Nine in Voyager. Yeah. There you go. Literally, literally six paragraphs. Yeah. Wow. 
In a neat twist of irony, this film would go on to influence the Star Trek 2009 reboot 10 years after its release. Producer and director J.J. Abrams is a huge fan of Galaxy Quest and had the green lighting of Saris's ship repeated in Nero's ship Narada. He also borrowed the idea of the manner of Saris's ship destruction, um, being charged headlong for Nero's ship. Also, when Eric Banner was struggling for ideas on how to portray uh, Nero, Abrams showed him a copy of this film and told him he wanted him to portray it in a similar vein to how Robin Sachs did it. Wow. And if you think about it... Yeah. Yeah. What? I can see it. Yeah, but I love that because we were saying, like, this film, in many ways... If you took if you took the jokes out, yeah. it would still work. Yeah. Take the jokes out of Galaxy Quest. Yeah. It's just Star Trek. Good, good it's just Star Trek from 2009. Uh, there's no um, references for this, but Tim Allen just said that him and William Shatner were now friends because of this film. Huh? No citation, but that's... that's yeah. Well, that's because Tim Allen didn't know who, who Tim Allen was playing. So he's just like, yeah, yeah sure, we, we, can, we can be friends. <laughs> be friends oh, wait, you were taking the piss out of me. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realise. But then Tim Allen, Tim Allen didn't realise either. He was, no. he was like, oh no, I was, I was doing your Brenner. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Johnson named the main villain after film critic Andrew Saris while also admitting that he also, he considered Haskell after Saris's wife Molly Haskell uh, once Saris discovered he mocked this saying this guy wants to insult me oh boo hoo as long as they spelt my name right I'm okay uh, yeah classic classic Saris actors cast as Thermians went to alien school right to learn how to move and talk since they were basically giant calamari hiding in human shape, according to Pariso. The Walk with the Hands was created by actor Patrick Breen, who was inspired by the marionettes uh, that moved in the series Fireball XL5. Wow, Jerry Anderson A huge series. fan of Fireball XL5. Wow, yeah. there you go. And he mentions it in the documentary. Yeah. But then they don't, they don't then cut to a clip from Fireball to explain... Couldn't get the rights. But like, nah. Yeah. I, I get it. Yeah. But I'm sure a lot of people watching that go, what's that? I don't yeah. know what that is. Yeah. Um, you know who else is a big fan of Fireball XL5? Who? Tom Hanks. Is he? Yeah. That's oh. a fact. Did this, was this just big in America? I think it must have been. potentially. Must yeah. have been shown in America somewhere. Yeah. Other idiosyncrasies, is that right? Hey, well done. Yeah, you nailed it. Were developed by the actors during this training, and several of their lines came out of improvisations. So, Rain Wilson's role as Lank uh, was meant to have been larger but he was double booked for an NBC pilot in New York City. He received a crash course on how to act like a Thermian from Colin Tony, Reese and Pyle, but uh, was so nervous around all these A-list actors because it was his first thing. Yeah, Tim Allen's in this fucking movie. I know. <laughs> and he said that a deleted scene involving his character, which was released in the DVD and everything, was wisely cut given how nervous he was flubbing his lines several times. Now, um... Here's a little clip from the alien school that they had to kind of go to. And I just love that they made this massive effort. Yeah. And it was all kind of invented by the actors. Here we go. The hardest thing, and, and I think wasn't as maybe strong in the script, were the, uh, were the Thermians. In fact, Bob didn't even have that in the script. It wasn't for me. Rico Colantone comes in to the casting session. I've never met him before. I don't know him at all. And he does the part of Mathazar. And, and, it's, and it's good and starts to leave the room, but he's got something. He's thinking, maybe I should do this thing, is the look on his face. And I said, what? Please, Commander, you are our last hope. <laughs> the voice came from a vocal exercise that I learned at Yale. It's just the touching of all the seven resonators. <laughs> and that was it. I mean, we stopped right there and just said, yeah, 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 yeah you. There's many interesting things with the Thermians. These guys were brilliant. This was one of those special instances that very seldom happens that you write something and it, and it gets elevated in so many ways by the director, by the cast. 
they were having a really hard time casting this part in particular. And we all came in and there was like three or four of us there. And she said, you know, we have to cast this really quickly. And normally I wouldn't do this, but I want to show you one of the other actors um, audition. He went. And like, hello, you know, and then he did the dialogue. And I thought, oh, I know exactly what to do now. You know, it's, everything was just kind of. Enrico, who's amazing. I mean, Enrico really invented the whole way of that the aliens speak. I mean, he came up with that. That kind of thing. That was a big deal. And then Rain Wilson, Patrick Breen, and Missy Pyle sort of joined in with Enrico's invention. And they all created this language together. And Dean was like, yeah, that's that's awesome. Dean was very simple in his direction. He goes, do what he's doing. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. The scene when Tim Allen is in a men's room overhearing how the cast of Galaxy Quest are nobodies and all the co-stars can't stand him mirrors an actual event in William Shatner's life, apparently. He discovered the exact same things about himself when he attended a 1986 convention. Wow. We had a great uh, Facebook comment from James Pilson Wood. Thank you very much, James. It said, it's such a unique film, casted perfectly and had the perfect mix of comedy and relationships between the characters. I was recommended it. Uh, well after it came out, years and years. I think I was at uni, so after 2006. Loved every minute of it. There isn't boring parts or parts that you skip or switch off from. Pacing of the film is on the money. Um, could you make a sequel out of it? Well, yes. <laughs> you make a, a recasting joke, as recasting happens a lot in today's TV and movies, and you move on. Of course, not having Alan is the only thing that hurts the idea. Favourite part of the film was when they head back to the minefield after they had fully embraced the situation they are in, and they all click back into place. Thank you very much, James. Uh, so that is it as our look back at Galaxy Quest. Yeah. Thoughts on Galaxy Quest? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I, I've I seen it a couple of times. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. But we, genuinely, having done this has made me want to go back and, yeah. and rewatch it. Because um, I sort of, it's one of those things you sort of forget how good it is. Um, and I really like the fact that the cast know how yeah. good it is. Because, yeah. do you know what? And I'm going to get quite profound. <laughs> Galaxy Quest is sort of, it's not like, you know, the cast of Galaxy Quest, the TV show within the film, yeah. have done this thing and they consider it to be a small part of their career and they want to move on from it. But the cast of Galaxy Quest, the film, they know how, and like, you know, Sigourney Weaver, um, you know, Alan Rickman at the time, they, they've, they've had incredible careers. Um but actually, they know how special this film was. Yeah. The fact that they were all willing, Sam Rockwell, the fact that they were all willing to revisit it yeah. and appear in documentaries about it and talk about it still, and they all talk about it so fondly, um, that actually makes me want to go back yeah, and revisit yeah. it more because I'm like, the it fact that they're... This one-off week. Yeah, the thing. fact that they're so engaged with it. Yeah, um, yeah so yeah, I, I really enjoyed it when I watched it um, those two times, but really keen now to, to go back yeah. and check out Galaxy Quest again. And what's really funny is that at conventions now you get people dressing up as Galaxy Quest characters yeah exactly it's come it's come yeah. full circle so uh, we'll be back next time with another trip down geek memory lane you can uh, find you know so many past episodes of our back catalogue of geek history including other sci-fi 90s romps such as Demolition Man Armageddon Dinosaurs Buffy loads more um, so please head over to twogeeks2beers.com for more or you can find us on any podcast provider of your choosing and please give us a rating and a review. If you head to our website, you'll see a nice big rate this podcast button, which makes the process incredibly easy. And we really do cherish every one we receive and we'll read the best ones out in future episodes. Um, you can also support us on Patreon, where you can get all kinds of bonus goodies, including uh, 10 to 20 minute like mini-sows that we record 
at the same time we do a new a new episode plus other exclusives videos and even merch and we'll give you a shout out if you support us on there including brand new patron Peej so thank you very much Peej thanks Peej um, a Two Geeks beer mat is on its way to you now and get in touch on email that's podcast at twogeeks2beers.com for anything you like really uh, and on our socials at Two Geeks Cast on Twitter Instagram Facebook and TikTok um, and I thought, um, uh, yeah, as an example of what you can get in touch with over email, yeah. uh, Jamie Roberts helped answer a question you had in our previous episode about He-Man. Love this. So I don't know if you remember, yeah. but um, I there was a there was a He-Man uh, toy commercial that we played out in our previous episode, and it had some amazing narration. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I was like, I recognise that voice. It's the same voice that did a a voiceover for a trailer for a sort of uh, Transformers style cartoon series that was called Robotics, where he. Talked about the evil terracors and robotics. And I was like, who is this guy who does yeah. the voice for that He-Man commercial for the robotics trailer? And Jamie got in touch to say, uh, hi, gents. Someone's probably told you this already, but the voice from the He-Man advert and robotics and Transformers is Victor Caroli. He does the recap and intro for tons of Transformers episodes with his ridiculously cool voice. <laughs> Quite right. And the Transformers wiki also throws up this gem. He voiced the quasi-satanic centaur villain Tirak in the My Little Pony wow. pilot. Also, he says, I'll always stand up for the live-action Masters of the Universe movie for one reason only, Frank Langella. Unironically, a top 10 villain performance. <laughs> Looking forward to the next episode. Been a fan for ages. Cheers. So thank you, Jamie. Uh, yeah. Really appreciate it. And yeah, if you have any uh, little insights like that or any suggestions for future episodes, get in touch uh, via uh, our email, which is podcast at twogeeks2beers.com. Thank you very much. So that is it. And remember, Morgan... We might not be up there yet with Joe Rogan and Fern Cotton in the world of podcasts. <laughs> wow, well, what, what a pair that is. But never give up, never surrender. <sighs> Cheers. <laughs> to that end, Shears initial strips. <sighs> to be fair to you, Shears initial initial scripts. There's a lot going on there. To that end, there's a lot going on. To that end, Shears initial scripts. <laughs> what? <laughs> Fucking hell, Paul Shear. To that end, Shears initial scripts. <laughs> Fuck it. That's right. One last time. Yeah, to on. that end, Shears initial scripts called for two. That was fine. Separate casts. <laughs> now I gotta do it again because I'm laughing. Makes Sh- no sense. Shears initial scripts. To that. End, should I just say Pauls? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? It's initial scripts that says... But, but also, first scripts. Should, I say first shears, script. Yeah, Shears' first scripts. To that end, Shears' first scripts called for two separate cast sets. <laughs>